Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and I'm thankful that you're taking some time to study the Bible with me, whether you're sitting down to fold laundry, doing the dishes, cooking dinner. I don't care. Whatever it is you're doing, I'm just glad you're studying the Bible. Uh, I always say that. I always have to mention that, too, because the people that I say that that are guests with me, when they hear it, they always are like, wow, that's really harsh. I said it one time when I was just podcasting by myself, and I've ended up saying it in almost every episode. I don't care. So I don't care either. Um, All right, guys, see you next week. Uh, (laughs) So we talked last week about the church's faults. To be equal, we're going to look at the church's success now. But rather than just focusing on the church's faults, last week when we talked about it, it was a mindset of let's not focus on the negative, let's look at the positive. Today's episode is more along the lines of how to look at the positive the correct way and making sure that it doesn't become the main focus and cause problems for the church as well. So we have back with us Daniel Manning and Ryan Manning. I'm going to tell you some interesting things about both of them, and they're probably worried right now, but it's not going to be really that bad. I mentioned last week Ryan loves to play the piano. Ryan is also very, very good and very skilled in languages, and specifically the Greek language. I walked in one day, and I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before, but I walked in one day, and he was just reading on his eSword application the Greek New Testament. And I said, oh, are you like looking something up? And he said, no, I was just reading it. And then when he was assigned a lectureship topic here at the Memphis School of Preaching Lectureship, by the way, MSOP is a great school for you to go if you want to learn how to preach. Uh, You can look at the information in the show notes to find out more. But Ryan translated an entire chapter. Was it 2 Peter 2 or 3? 2 Peter 2. He, He translated on his own from the Greek and then was told, you can't do that. You have to use one of the versions that we have approved. <laughs> I understand the rationale, but it was it, really frustrating. <laughs> well, it was it was still valuable to do oh, yeah. because it helped me yeah. form the lesson. And I just remember you had finished it and you were so excited. Yeah. You sent it off. And then a week later, you got the information back. And somehow back then you didn't save the manuscript somehow or whatever. You you had trouble finding it. And so you had to like start over completely from scratch. I am pretty scatterbrained, <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah, that but he sounds like something I would do. But of course, I don't remember that. Ryan has always done a great job with Greek, and even I've I've noticed with Hebrew too. You're you're not a slouch in I that prefer, department. I prefer Greek. Right, Daniel. And as, then there's Daniel. As far as Daniel's <laughs> concerned, there's not a whole lot of like weird quirks that Daniel would have to where he could just read the Greek New Testament because I think it takes like the weirdest brain. I'm, I'm insulting and complimenting Ryan at the exact same time. As a unique. Um, it unique takes yeah, a there unique we go. Brain. It takes a uniquely weird brain. No, um, <laughs> it takes a unique person to be able to just grasp that. Weird is a compliment. Thank you. You're right. Um, you remember our uh, our fall retreat a couple years ago. We, it was okay to be weird. That was one of the topics. That's right. Um, Daniel, though, I've always been impressed because there's a lot of stuff that Daniel can do athletically and physically that are just impressive. We played disc golf together once, and uh, he is really good at disc golf. He knows what he's doing with with those discs, and he can really, really what's what's the word 
for throwing them. Is it just throwing them? Throwing them. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know if there's some like slinging the disc or something like that. You know, Michael's into languages too. Yeah. Um, What's that word for throw? You know English good. Uh, (laughs) Mama, you raised me well. Um, Anyways. Daniel also was a physical trainer, still still has dabbled in that, even though he's been in local work. You're not really training as much right now since the baby's been born, though, right? Not so much. But you still plan at some point to maybe go back and train some more well, if you I, can. I'm still, I'm still actively uh, a trainer, Yeah, but I am transitioning more into full-time work, and I like it more. Yeah. I think it's more worthwhile to train people spiritually than physically. Yeah. And we did exercise that one time. But and you are um, you are my star pupil. You know? I I'm I'm the star pupil and also the craziest exception to all of the logic that you know because no, you're not. by what you said <laughs> I should be dead. But somehow I am alive. You should do an episode one time on just how many Dr. Peppers you can consume in a week. In a week. I could just tell them right now. Back when we were still working at Somerville, it was like four Route 44s a day, which equivalates to 12 cans a day. Yeah, you should be dead by all metrics. Now-a-days, it is more like 11 cans. No, it's, it's probably more like seven to eight cans. Route for no cans, cans in a day. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, you know this. This school life is a lot harder than it used to be. Way more stressful. Um, but both of these guys are first and foremost, and chief of all, Christians. That is the number one defining factor of them. They're also ministers, and I've always enjoyed getting to hear both of them preach. It is not uncommon for me, as happened earlier this week, even to have one of the lessons pulled up from the Sunday at Somerville, and I'll be listening to it as I'm working on some things. And so I appreciate them getting a chance to be here on the podcast with me. And we're going to jump right into it. Today, we're going to start with Daniel and then work our way to Ryan for our second question, and then we'll have the free-for-all there at the end. And so we're talking about the church's success. A lot of times that would be a good episode to talk about, but in all honesty, this is probably more negative than it normally would be. You're subverting expectations. Exactly. Uh, this will be the worst episode ever that I have ever done. Um, so, Daniel, why don't we get you started? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> is it okay for someone to rest on their achievements? Specifically talking about the church. Yeah. Uh, I would say just in general, no, don't rest on your achievements because you've already done that. It's in the past. But I think it becomes a an actual problem of how often have we heard people in the church say, well, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. we did such and such a thing and it was very successful. Why can't that happen now? Why isn't that happening now? And usually it's because the same people who did it 15 years ago have either all grown older and they can no longer do the same things that they were doing, and or probably because the next group has not stepped up to the plate to do something. And so to look at a church's past success is uh, it's dangerous because you get caught in the nostalgia. Yeah. And you just think, well, everything used to be so good. Why isn't it? Why isn't it good anymore? And why don't we have work happening? Well, that's usually because the ones that are asking that question are not doing the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a a book suggested to me by 
one of my brothers, not Ryan, but it was our other brother, Josh, he suggested a church, uh, I guess it's just a, a book about the success and failure of churches. It's called The Autopsy of a Dead Church. Yeah, by Rainer. Yes, Rainer. Yeah. And uh, basically, it's when the church focuses too much on the internal successes that they mm -hmm. have or uh, too much on the membership and not enough on the outlook outside of their walls. And then it starts to implode over time because mm -hmm. there's not enough coming in and it's only reinforcing what's already there. Right. Uh, and I think that's usually what we're talking about with church success and looking at our past achievements and the past success that we have. And I, I think the I think one of the best places to go for that in Scripture would be the Church of Ephesus mm -hmm. being told, uh, Revelation 2.4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you have left your first love. Yeah, uh, I think that's what happens with congregations oftentimes is the individual membership of that congregation has lost their love to work. And so they just look at a time when they used to have their love it's almost like a relationship when you have a failing marriage and you see one spouse looking back at the good old days when they didn't have problems. Right. And it's a sad thing, but it's a, it's a sad reality sometimes that people will look at that success and say, well, if we could just have that when all they have to do is just stand up and start working again. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest issue because in almost every other area of life, we focus on the achievements of people. Anytime we've guest spoken at a congregation, they always ask for a bio. And in that bio, you're supposed to list something that you've accomplished, whether it's a school you've graduated from, the work that you're currently involved in doing. It's an achievement of some kind. In resume work, you're having to list all of your achievements that you've ever accomplished that would be worthy to be placed in a resume. And so we, we get so caught up in achievement mindset of what have we done that makes us worthwhile? There's also the idea of, and I didn't mention this at all last episode, and I hope you're proud of this, Ryan, sports. Um, in <laughs> Here the, we go. In the sports world, you are truly able to rest on your achievements if you have a great career. You can say, for, for example, uh, with any Hall of Fame player in any sport, they can say, I know I was good. I made it to the absolute upper echelon of this sport because no one just makes the Hall of Fame without being incredibly impactful to their sport. And so we get so bogged down with achievements and we focus on it. I think what you said, though, going back to the sports thing just a minute ago, is a lot of times how fans are seen. And it's the idea of, for for me, I'm a Steelers fan. It has been almost 15 years since we won a Super Bowl. It's been 12, almost 13, since we played in one. Hmm. Now, I can rest on one thing, though, and I have no problem telling people. We have six Super Bowl wins, hmm. and that is tops among all teams. There's a couple teams that are tied for that role with the Patriots and the Steelers, but there's only a few teams that have six but I don't have the right to say that we are the current champions. And so what I'm doing is I'm resting on past achievements. And that only goes so far. That only really carries you to a certain point because after a while, 
when your team doesn't do well consistently, you are truly living in the past. Who are the Steelers? Exactly. <laughs> um, you're a, you're a Bills fan, right? No, mm, no. Uh, see, you, no. you know you know what I'm about to do. So, any team you could find <laughs> past you. success and past failures. I'm not a sports fan. Just for everybody out there. That's so, true. No. But the problem with the church is very similar to the problem with any fan. Fan mean is short for fanatic, of course, and they're fanatic about their team, either the good old days, as a lot of fans would be, or they're a fanatic of, we have a really great thing going right now. There's always a handful of teams that are considered to be able to win. I just saw something post on my phone last night for baseball, World Series odds after the trade deadline. And it's all the teams that they are saying, or Vegas, I guess, is saying you can bet on to win the World Series, and they have the different Vegas odds that are there. That is an idea of they're going to be able to win. The team that is the worst record in baseball was not listed among the teams that they think can win the World Series because they're not going to. But that team might be a team that won a championship seven years ago. And their fans might say, well, we won seven years ago. What have you done lately? And if we are honest with ourselves in sports, we would realize a lot of times more frequently our team is not as good as it once was, more than likely. And if it is good, it's not guaranteed to win just because we have a good roster. The yep. church is very similar. The church may have had a history of maybe only five preachers in its entire 200-year existence. Maybe it's only had five preachers, and maybe the elders are long and upstanding men of God that are known to have been great people. And you can look at all of these examples, and maybe the deacons have accomplished such great works, and maybe the members have been faithful to God, and maybe the congregation for so many years was doing well. And then 2020 hit, and all of a sudden things changed, and they stopped being as good as they once were. I think uh, I think one of the aspects of uh, the sports analogy that you could bring up is uh, when Paul says, I have fought the good fight, mm -hmm. I've finished my course, and oftentimes people say, well, I've done all of these things, there should be a crown of righteousness waiting for me, and they forget Paul had to actually finish while competing the entire time. Yeah. He didn't fight the good fight for 10 years do a really good job with all of his missionary work and then sit back for 25 years and say, look what I did. I did all these great things. No, he, he went out and he did the work that he was supposed to do and he did it up until his expiration date. And he's right. He writes to Timothy and says, that's why I'm going to receive a crown of righteousness. Not because I did all of these things. And then I sat back and I rested. Yeah. But because I did all of these things up until the time that I could not do them any longer, and that's why I know that I have a crown of righteousness waiting for me, uh, because it's not a sports analogy. It's not we have won seven championships, and therefore we're guaranteed a place of glory forever. It would be like, in, in Paul's terms, him saying, well, because I've won seven Super Bowls, then I'm guaranteed the eighth. Right. No, you don't get to win the eighth Super Bowl. You haven't put the work in for it. Mm -hmm. You have to keep competing in order to get to that point where you get the right to earn it, where Paul says, I've fought the entire time, and I'm going to finish because I'm going to die having worked my entire Christian life. Uh, and I think that's some something that we could take to heart 
Yeah. I always loved it in D3, The Mighty Ducks, the third and final installment. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a way to do it, man. It's, it's, watch the master. Uh, in that movie, they are at a new school, all this different stuff, and they were used to their regular way of playing hockey. And there was one game that they showed where they got out to like a seven-goal lead, and they coasted, and they lost like eight to seven. And it was all because they coasted. They didn't finish. They didn't get through. And their coach came in, and it's it's one of the most hilarious scenes as I'm an adult now. But as a kid, I was like, whoa, this is intense. But he came in, and he says, how long does it take to score a goal? And nobody said anything. And he took a puck, and he fired it as hard as he could at the players. Which now, looking back on that, is like, that's a that's abuse. That that guy would be fired so fast. But he fired it and it hit the board, their little bulletin board, and busted through it. And he said, less than a second. And the hockey period is typically 20, 20 minutes long. So if it takes less than a second to score a goal, you no lead is ever safe. Ever. Vern Scrimpture, we know him very well. He said once that he was at a game where he saw three goals scored in twenty-five seconds. That's impressive. And it was all by the same team. It wasn't like back and forth different teams. So no lead is ever safe until that clock hits, you know, quadruple zero. And that's the idea of what we're talking about with Paul, what he wrote about finishing the race and making sure that he got to the end. And that's the hope for all churches. So is it okay for someone to rest on their achievements? The answer to that is obviously no. Ryan, has the church as a whole, I'm not talking about the church at Somerville. I would hate for you to think that that you just start off with, well, at Somerville. So, no, we're just talking about it in the universal idea of the church. Has the church been known to be guilty of this problem? Well, you have to be careful when you talk about the whole church, because like we mentioned in the last episode, um, focus on yourself. Keep, mm-hmm. your, keep your nose, you know, stay in your lane. However, I have noticed... Um, places where I have come in contact with focusing on, you know, I'm not talking about Somerville. Don't worry if you're listening from Somerville. We're good. <laughs> we're good. But, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you are going to be talking about Somerville? <laughs> no. I'm just trying to confuse everybody. You're doing a good job. The, we, you know, we don't want to say, oh, the church is... You know, the church is terrible because we do this. So I don't want it to sound like that. But I have seen congregations looking back at what they did. And, well, there's the positive, right? Mm -hmm. We did all of these great things in the past. And then there's also the negative where we tried something. We tried door knocking 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. and it didn't work. Right. Uh, so focusing on the past, there's there's the positive, right? We look at all of the good things that we have done for the community. Doesn't that mean we get a pass? And of course, people don't say that, but that's their mindset. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, we've tried these things and we didn't. it didn't work as well as we would like. Therefore, we're not going to try again. Right. So I have seen that, and, and that is a problem. You can't rest on your laurels because... The Bible tells you, be zealous of good works. Or Romans 12, 11 is what I have pulled up. It says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And the idea of being fervent in spirit is, 
well, fervent is like a pot of water bubbling over. So yeah. the water is has gotten excited and it's it's there's energy there and it's bubbling up. And as Christians, we don't need to be cooled down, mm-hmm. but instead we need to be active. And if you were once a boiling pot of water with lots of energy able to do to do a lot and now you're looking back at that well if you've cooled you're not fervent in spirit mm-hmm. um so that's a that's an issue let's see there's also in sec- in Titus chapter 2 it tells us let's see that Jesus Christ verse 14 gave himself for us so that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. And then it says, zealous of good works. So when I rest on my achievements, oh, look at these great things I did 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 15 years ago, last year. When I rest on my achievement, I'm focusing on my good works and it causes me to cool. Yeah. Where. Paul, writing to Titus, says, focus on Christ's work, mm-hmm. where he gave himself for us, and, and he did that so that we can be zealous. If we focus on Christ and we focus on the things that he did, then we're not going to be content looking back at what we've done. The glory should go on him, and if our good works give him glory, that should be our focus. We should be Every day waking up, how can I give Christ more glory? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. Someone says, well, we, we tried door knocking 20 years ago. The, the smart aleck in me would want to then lovingly reply, yeah, we preached on sin 20 years ago too. I guess we should just, you know, it didn't work. It didn't take. So we should probably just stop that too. Some things take more than just once to work. In fact, they say it takes several weeks to form a habit that you will stick to and keep. You can't just wake up. Like if we were going to go and exercise, I can't go once and then be like, now I exercise every day and then not go every day. Or I can't say I want to exercise every week and not go every week. I just can't do that. I'm not willing to make that habit my reality. Go ahead. I mean, that is is just so noble for you to say that you're willing to exercise every day for the next six weeks. I will be there to hold your hand now we're talking, every step of the way. We're talking about Madden 23, right? <laughs> the new football game that's coming. I will play that every day. Um, but, the, you know, there's a difference between saying that and it being a good statement and it actually being the reality that you live in. And so our goal and our desire has to be, okay, we door knocked, it didn't work. Perhaps we need to remind ourselves of the parable of the sower. If we look at just the achievement of the sower and we judged him on that, he's a failure because he missed on three other types of soil. That's not how you judge achievements, though. Achievements is not how many times did you get everything or as close to everything that you did for people to actually say, yes, I want to be a Christian, or how many times did you offer the gospel and you tell people, hey, Let's work together. I have a group of people that would love to get to know you. Would you come and be a part of our congregation Sunday and see what we have to offer? And then strike up a Bible study. If you don't get everybody to agree to do those things, you're going to feel like a failure. I mean, that's in the, that's in 
even the Great Commission, it mm-hmm. says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth, but then he that believeth not. So there's two different That's sides right. to it. You're just commanded to go out and preach the gospel. And there's going to be two responses to it. But from all the other passages like the sower, there's going to be more of a negative response to it than there is a positive. That's right. And you can't, you cannot get to either side. You can't look at, like we said last week, you can't look at it and say, nobody wants to become a Christian. I should just give up. You also can't look at it and go, somebody just became a Christian. I'm good for the next 20 years. I don't have to do a thing. Uh, there's a book called Mind Over Mood. Ryan, you were actually with me when I bought it. Uh, we went to Barnes & Noble. It's it's sitting over somewhere here on one of my shelves, and it's a book all about depression and the different moods that happen in life. One of the things that it wrote in there was there's a problem that people have where if I were to invite the two of you guys to lunch and Daniel says yes, Ryan says no, the depressed person may say no one likes me. Because not both of the people that I asked, one of them said no, and so no one likes me. They immediately go to the negative. The person who can look at it from the logical mindset says, most everybody likes me. Most everybody wants to go to lunch with me. Or if I ask 10 people and nine of them say yes, one of them say no, I can get to the point where the realization should be, not only do most people like me, that 10th person was probably just busy. And couldn't come, and he would have if he could have. We've had to reschedule this particular recording a couple of times to try to fit our schedules to make them work. New baby and all, and all the other things with local work and me traveling. That didn't mean, though, every time we had to reschedule that I sat down and went, they don't like me. They don't want to be around me. That would be the mindset of a Christian who's trying to get people to come to Jesus, trying to study with people, trying to be a light in the community, has no success, and just walks away and goes, I guess I'm a failure. I should stop. We talked about that last week being not a wise decision, but we also need to talk about the mindset of, I can't get one person and then go, all right, and kind of wipe my hands off and go, I guess that means I'm covered. It it. I'll have to pull this up. Let me let me ask you guys this question, and then I'll pull this up. What is the biggest fear in your minds for a church that focuses on their past success more than anything else? Well, that they don't get anything done. That they that they stop working. That they're um, that they think it's good enough. It's like the it's like the football player. Mm-hmm. How do you do these sports analogies? Hold on, let me see. It's like the football player who wins a who wins a thing, yeah, uh, a championship. Yep, and um, then he's good for the whole time because he flashes around his um, he flashes around Trophies. his his, his uh, World Series ring. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? It's close. <laughs> oh. I think I saw Michael's soul just break it's, a little it's bit. It's very close. I was I was Im- impressed for about five seconds, and then I was concerned for twenty, and now I'm just gonna say, Daniel, <laughs> what, what do you have? <laughs> well, no, hold on. Let me finish. Let oh, okay. me finish the analogy. Um, <clears throat> when you start when you start telling yourself, "Oh, look at this great job that I've done," mm-hmm. and a congregation does that, they're not looking forward. Right. They've got their they've got their eyes focused behind themselves instead of forward. How do you move forward? And like Daniel said, you, you get older, you get more tired, and life weighs down on you. 
and a congregation. And maybe as I get older, I'm not able to do as much in the past, but people come behind me and I need to be there encouraging the next generation of people to to work instead of saying, well, look at how great I was. Mm-hmm. I need to say to them, look at how great you can be. Even if I am getting old and tired, I need to, I should still be looking forward and, and seeing how I can help other people and encourage other people to carry the torch. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why the scriptures teach about older women teach the younger women and uh, all of the instruction of older heroes of faith giving encouragement to the younger ones to stay strong in the Lord and to keep fighting and to keep moving forward because if they ran out of their usefulness and now they're older they're not useless they can still encourage and bring other people along with them even if they can't physically do the work or if they're going to die they still say hey i've done i've done my part the next generation has to come up and also do their part let me encourage them to do it mhm you're not useless when you are not able to do the same thing you were able to do 50 years ago. You're much more encouraging to people that are younger. Yeah, unless you're Tom Brady, you have to retire sometime. That's right. And eventually, and- he'll, 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 he will have to retire. <laughs> I was well, Porky Pig there. Ba-dee, 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 ba-dee. <laughs> play, players who retire, they either help new players, they get into you know, helping with coaching or they, they comment, they, they involve themselves in the Mm -hmm. game in some other way and they let the next generation take over. So it's, it's just because you did something great and in the, in the past you need to, if you have to find a different way to move forward. Desmond Doss. Don't know if you know the name or not. But there was a movie released on November 4th, 2016. It was called Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, yeah. Um, and this movie was an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, I recommend that you you watch it. This is the true story of Desmond Doss, who won the Congressional Medal of Honor despite refusing to bear arms during World War II on religious grounds. He was drafted and ostracized by fellow soldiers for his pacifist stance but went on to earn respect and adoration for his bravery, selflessness, and compassion after he risked his life without firing a shot to save 75 men in the Battle of Okinawa. 75 men. Now, Okinawa is a very small place. It's like 12 miles wide. It's not that many miles long compared to the 12. It's not that many more miles long. And this man was able to save 75 men. He was interviewed and asked, what were you thinking when you were going in to save all these people? What was going through your minds? And he made this statement. I think it's important for everyone to be reminded of. I just kept praying to God, give me one more. Let me just get one more. And I think if we want churches to not rest on their success and focus on their success, the mindset should be, Just give me one more sermon to hear. Give me one more class to attend. Give me one more song to sing, one more prayer to pray. Give me one more person to study. Give me one more work to work. And you just continue to go on. And every time the work is done, you pray that prayer over again. And you ask God, help me find more things to do. 
1 Corinthians 15, 58 is still in the Bible. It's still canon, last I checked, despite what some people might want to do with certain versions and translations. And that word there, Daniel, where it says abounding in the Greek, it is the idea of to be in excess, to superabound, to be basically overflowing. It's the idea of, I don't know if you've seen these videos or not, but you see someone that's like, hey, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to fill this cup up. And then they just keep filling it, and it's literally overflowing. And they're like, wow, it, it's taking all of this water in this one little cup. And obviously, we know that it's not. That's the joke. The idea, though, behind being a Christian, abounding in the work of the Lord, is to be in excess of doing good works, to be continuously working and trying to strive to the next thing, and not ever saying a mindset of, ah, well, you know, we'll get it next time. No, this is the time to abound. This is the time to be working. Do y'all have anything you want to close with? No. Okay. Next week, we will close out season four, and I'll have an announcement to make at the end of that episode. And so tune in with us one more time for this season on the Far Better Podcast and the Scatter the Broad Network. But until then, let's please God now so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.